From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in. My name is Luanda Jafta, co-founder of a company called The People's Fund. And what we basically do there is purchase order funding for entrepreneurs who've got orders with corporate and government but don't have the capital to execute on the orders. We've been doing that for six years. Mm. We started with 3,000 rand like six years ago. I actually loaned the business 3,000 rand. Mm. And from that loan, we've grown to funding over 350 million in capital, mm. enabling 2,000 businesses to extract half a billion in turnover in the six years. All of it crowdfunded, right? Mm. From everyday people contributing from as little as like 100 bucks all the way to 8 million. And then institutional checks from the likes of CIFA for 30 million and the like. Mm. And from day one, what we've built is like a community of people who believe that like people don't need handouts right people want to help themselves they just need a community that's going to back them in helping themselves so that's been six years mm-hmm. right of doing that with the people's fund it's been amazing it's insane sometimes like i go what what yeah blessed blessed that's the word (laughs) lucky 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 as heaven (laughs) right and it's been a non-stop journey and yeah we're coming into a new part of our journey Mm. i think we'll get into that right and unlike most people that i've had on the podcast we've had three previous episodes right and through those episodes if you listen i think there's a journey that's being charted Mm. of self-discovery, self-awareness, self-understanding that also feeds into the business as well. Yeah. How do you compare who you were six years ago when this started versus who you are right now? I knew so much more six years ago. Mm. (laughs) But from the wrong place, right? From a prideful place. Now, who I am, who I was six years ago, like, you know, like Facebook's got that feature that reminds you memories. Memories. So I read those statuses, right? They had so much truth. But I'm like, who's that kid? Because he didn't know these things. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't know these things. (laughs) Six years ago, there was a lot of head knowledge. Mm. There was a lot of theory. You know, like most of us come into business with a lot of thoughts. I'm talking about the things that happen in your head, not the other word. There's a lot of thoughts that happen in your head. Mm. And what has happened over the past six years is some have been validated, but most have been broken out of my system Mm. like pride and self-reliance has disappeared almost absolutely you can imagine you you've spoken about the journey we've had like three previous episodes right it started as deep atheist then curious like religious curious then agnostic knowing for sure there is a god but i just don't know what it looks like and to now which is identify fully as christian right Mm. Uh, so my life is led by the holy spirit as much as i am obedient (laughs) right so it's even transformed how i even look at how we build the business i mean mesh i know you've got a christian background so you know the sermon on the mount with a b with a b attitude sorry mesh am i putting your whole religious background on blast (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are 
And the B attitudes, even in how we do business, they, 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 they're adopted. The B attitudes is basically the idea of turning slavery into servitude, right? And what that mm-hmm. means is taking something that is supposed to be painful and turning it into a virtue of giving, right? So instead, when somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek, right? The concept is instead of something controlling and owning you by when you get slapped, right? You want to get angry. You want to get upset. You want to be in your body. It says turn the other cheek. Like, let go of this body, right? So in the same way, when we give out funding to entrepreneurs, right, when we're experiencing some of their, let's call it darkness, Mm. is what we try to do is shine the light of love. Because that's going to be transformative to who they are and even it reflects who we are, Mm. you know? So there's a... There's a culture where we're inculcating a TPF, right? Even of the people, not just the entrepreneurs, just also the people. It's like, man, make deeper choices of servitude instead of slavery. Because like, there's this concept of fairness that we love as mankind, right? It's great. It's what we write the laws on. But your highest version is not, it's not a lawmaker, the highest version is the spirit inside of you trying to break out from all of these traps that we have as individuals. So in the same way, even we'll discuss the campaign when the time comes, but even the campaign's thinking was breaking out of that slavery of capital, that slavery of how much funding do we need? What does profitability look like, etc., etc. where you're stuck and you've got a few players in control of the whole thing. It's like, break free. You know, I was having a chat with somebody earlier today. They're a Mexican startup and they're, they're running a fund, right? Mm. And one of the things the lady was mentioning that the first time she ever saw in an investment prospectus the word love, right? And she was saying, it reminds her of the People's Fund, right? Because the first time she ever saw the word love and that lady was just basically describing that their philosophy is one based off of love because investment is based out of fear. It tries to control, tries to hold, right? Control risk. Control risk, control manage, and all of that. Mm. And it's the same when you think about the People's Fund, right? That's the same thing we're trying to break out of, right? Fear, fear-based existence tries to control and contain. Love-based existence tries to open up and liberate, you mm. know? Think about, like, even in romantic relationships, when you're scared of being left by someone, right? You become controlling of them, right? When you love somebody for their potential and all they can be, right? You try to liberate them from a previous version of themselves, right? Mm. That can get dangerous too. <laughs> that can get quite dangerous. But the, the point is that, is that the People's Fund wants to be the girlfriend or the boyfriend, right? That sees your highest version, right? And walks with you, not for you you know mm. as you walk this journey how different has it been you know having this philosophy having this thinking having this culture permeate throughout throughout the company mm. how different does it make it to to find the right people to work with the right people to hire because you're not hiring off of just you can do the job we need you to do the job a specific way and that way is a deep understanding of self and signing on to this <laughs> thinking, right? Like, yeah. this is not... Yep. Because if I'm in the interview and you're talking to me about love, I'm like... <laughs> I, I'm I, out. I, I, I'm good. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's interesting that you asked that, right? Like, how do we get the people that we want? So, firstly, 
We've got like 26 people. Do you want to guess how many people in the finance company actually have a finance qualification? I'm going to say none. Yeah, almost none. It's just the accounting people who've got like... A, okay, yeah, yeah, you do need that guy too. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the accounting people, right? Who've got like some kind of... It's the finance people who've got an accounting background, right? Mm. Uh, that's about it. Everyone else does not have a finance. Funny story. I was actually running classes for teaching the team finance for the past two weeks. I can promise you now, and I know one of them sitting next to me, I can feel her smiling. They all don't know finance, like, at all. <laughs> because that's not the prerequisite, right, for us. For us, the prerequisite is, do you have a culture fit with us? So we have actually quite an extensive interview process, right? So you mm. do a, a bunch of technical interviews and a bunch of evaluation interviews, and then you do something called a shadow match, which tells us what your character's like. Then your final step is you do a culture fit interview with myself and my COO, right? And in that culture interview, what we're checking for, right, is what is your response to life, right? Um, I'm going to ask you very dumb questions, right? I'm going to ask you about the last conflict you have, etc., etc. And all I'm trying to decipher from that interview, I can even tell you now what I'm trying to decipher because people are still going to fail it if they're not part of the culture. Is it, are, you, are you accountable and are you teachable? right mm. those two things are so hard to do to fake right it's in the language we use it's i don't care about the answer you're giving me i'm watching for the words you're using as you give that answer right accountability and teachability is hard to fake do you admit when you're wrong that's a sign of accountability right do you admit do, do you try to present yourself as always the innocent one that's a lack of accountability you know because we're all effed up in some way or another right mm. so that's what we're trying to see and then teachability like, can I say something to you you've never heard and you latch onto it and try to engage it, right? That's a sign of teachability. You're curious. You're engaged. That's, that's always interesting to watch. If you've got those two attributes, we can panel beat the rest of them, you know? If you've got a, a, a level of accountability to say, I you have ability to say, I am wrong, and also, like a hunger, you've got, got the dog in you that wants to learn stuff, mm. then it's like, we can work. There's one of one of our team members. I remember when I was interviewing him, they couldn't understand why I wanted him in. And he kept on saying in the interview, and I was like, he's there. Like, he's there. They're like, what is it you're seeing? I'm like, he's got it. Like, you guys don't know. And he's one of the best performers in the company even now. But I was like, you see when he says, like, I can see it. You know, he's got that dog in him that wants to know stuff, that wants to figure things out. Yeah, it's it's almost... Hmm. of its substance, it's almost spiritual, mm. you know? Yeah. When you think about that being the basis of why mm. you have people in your company, the mission becomes so much more important. Yeah. Because that clarifies what we're actually doing. Yeah. Talk about your mission, what it is, but also what it means, right? So to be a conduit for a people-led economy mm. by being dedicated to empowering those who strive to seize the opportunity. Yeah. That's pretty English. I mean, look, <laughs> yeah, I've got the deck. You've got the deck. <laughs> no, when I say it's pretty English, it's like sometimes it gets lost in translation because a simpler brand promises change as is, right? And mm -hmm. it's an entendre. It means the same thing that thing is saying, right? Which is, I, you can change the world as you are and you can change the world as it is, right? Meaning, you can be you you're enough for what is needed to move the world in a direction where we all want to see it right mm. 
and 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 that's the same thing it's like being a conduit for a people-led economy means we're not we're not the superhero with a guy holding the cape for the superhero right Mm. and then the superhero you're the superhero like in your individual self right you're the superhero who makes it happen and what we're dedicated to is creating the environment so that you can seize those opportunities right we're dedicated to creating those environments and that's not exclusive just to entrepreneurs even the people who come into the company i know there's few things more transformative for anyone on god's green earth than coming to work at the people's fund Mm. some didn't make it like we've had a overhaul of the entire company many many times right and i don't want to say right and wrong i do want to say it agrees with our mission and that's what people get wrong most times in their mission they want to be acceptable and right right Mm. no it must be do not betray your mission your mission doesn't have to be right you know, like in Good to Great, they, men- they mentioned this company that's a, it's a cigarette company, right? Mm. And one of the things they mentioned is that in that board meeting, those guys used to smoke cigarettes, right? And when they were interviewing them, they noticed something. Cigarettes had a bad name, right, in society and all of those things. But those guys loved cigarettes. Not because they're good, not because... They loved cigarettes and they stuck to their guns. So in the same way, when you have a mission, stick to your guns. It's not supposed to be acceptable or palatable. It's supposed to be your mission, you know. What did Steve Jobs used to force people to do? To pack the circuit boards perfectly inside the laptop. It's like, hey man, <laughs> no one's going to see that. And then he said, but we'll know, right? Mm. And that's, that's being unapologetically stuck on your mission, you know. For example, with us, one of our values is we tell the truth, right? We, we don't lie, right? In finance, it's very easy to lie, Right? The problem is not them. It's who we become in that lie, right? Mm. We'll know, you know? We'll know that the circuit boards are sitting skew because more important than making money is who do we become? And you know South Africa is in a beautiful state. With hope in my heart, my brother. (laughs) I can admit, you know. And it's like when you see organizations start to build up that are saying... We understand the challenges of this country, but we want to push against mm. the difficulty of it mm. to find the opportunity. And like, I like the part of your mission that speaks to for those who strive to seize opportunity. Mm. Right? You didn't use the word small business entrepreneur. No. You didn't use startup. What informs that? But also, who are these people that you guys have been working with over the last six years? What yeah. do they look like? And what kind of business are they doing? Because I do think that there's certain parts of business that just don't get exposed in this country yeah. because it's not, you know what the word I'm going to use is? Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Who are these people? Cool. So, one, yeah, we would have never used that word, those buzzwords that you mentioned. They wouldn't even have fit with the people we fund, right? So, most of the funding we provide is actually for entrepreneurs or business owners who've got contracts with corporate and government, right? Mm. Mostly government, right? So South African government actually spends like a trillion a year buying from businesses, right? Mesh, I say this to you every year. You better know the number this year, right? What do you think is the percentage that they buy from black business? <laughs> Mesh, do not read through the document. <laughs> what do you think is the percentage of them buying from black businesses? Estimate. 
Below 10%. Yes, there we go. Mash! I'm so proud. Like, yo. <laughs> Less than 10% is from black-owned businesses, right? Um, and that trend has continued since the beginning of forever, right? And part of the problem we have, like, with the status quo, is that there's this word that goes around very easily, tenderpreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Associated, of course. With black entrepreneurs who buy Porsches after they win tenders from government Mm -hmm. now why this word is problematic is if black entrepreneurs are making less than 10 percent of what is out there to make who are the real tenderpreneurs you know what's their real race right are they going to be i want to be careful with the word bad apples are they going to be bad apples definitely they definitely will be is it the predominant narrative no why is that narrative being driven because if government was to be measured as a country, right, government spent, South Africa's government spent was to measure it as a GDP, it would be the seventh biggest in the continent, right? Mm. The only economies that would be bigger than it are things like Egypt, Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, the big heavyweights of the economies, right? All the other economies would be below it. Botswana would still be below it, you know, mm. as, 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 as an economy, just on government spent from South Africa. And as a transformative tool for changing people's lives, government is important. It did that during apartheid, right, with the Afrikaners. So the entrepreneurs we fund, how they look is they usually are, are doing pickup and deliveries. It's really boring businesses. Like it's, Mesh, I want to say it's the most boring businesses you can think of. You're buying pipes from here, getting them delivered there. You've got sand from here, getting delivered here. It's, it's the basic things that move the economy, right? Mm-hmm. And... So if you look at the philosophy I was telling you about earlier on about how your transform your own personal transformative journey starts seeping into the business, right? Part of my transformative journey is about learning obedience, right? One of the things I've learned about the human mind is always looking for entertainment. It's looking for fun things, right? Be it sex, alcohol, drugs, whatever, right? It wants to be entertained. And the thing you learn about how you strengthen your spirit is doing the stuff that doesn't entertain the mind, right? The boring stuff. Like reading the Bible, right? Mm. <laughs> Prayer, right? That stuff strengthens the spirit, right? It unearths truth. So in the same way, the boring businesses unearth truth. Most of the economy is run by the boring businesses. The cool businesses, man, they don't make bank, man. I think that was our first podcast, right? Stop building brands. I don't know if it was, it was the first or second, but yes, like stop building brands, brands start, start building, building businesses. businesses. Still, still on the same, still on the same tip. Less, more militant, uh, more gentle with humans now. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel the same though, and that's the truth we want to unearth. People doing real business, right? Real business, real business is boring, mesh. You know, it's boring. Like, but that's what that's what keeps us going. You know. The, the beauty is in the story of, the, of who the people become. Mm. People feeding their families, people raising families, people hiring people. That, those are the true stories, right? When you've got like a 55% youth unemployment rate in the country, any form of interaction with a business that's productive, oh man, makes me so happy. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Do you think of some of your job also being opening up access to people that might not have been able to get the right funding with institutions that people call traditional. Yeah. The guys that were already there, the guys that had the money, but their requirements weren't necessarily 
cater to people that were starting out or testing things out or specifically working with government. Yep. How does you how do you guys think about that part of things? Like that opening up access and really driving accessibility to funding that actually drives growth for s- small businesses on the ground. Oh, keep it simple, stupid. That's that's the rule, right? And by 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 using the KISS methodology is that just think black. Do you understand what I mean? As black people generally we've had we've not have access to finance. Mm. We don't understand net asset value. We don't understand all of those funny jargons. We don't understand financials. We're not interested in that, right? But what we do know how to do is get ourselves into opportunities. And traditional finance institutions were not built for black people. So what we said was, man, we've got a culture that understands Mashonis. You've got a culture that understands the basics of I'll take your ID, you'll get your ID and your bank card back at the end of the month when you pay me. <laughs> of right? Course. That simple psychology is what built the people's fund. Is that how do you borrow to black people the way black people want to be borrowed to? You know, what do we understand? And we use the same methodology. But then instead of Ukshonisa, which is like charge exorbitant fee exorbitant fees, charge fair fees. Because there's so little players, well, there were so little players in this space, it was a cowboy market, and entrepreneurs were getting milked, like milked. We're still one of the more affordable purchase order funding companies in the country, like by a long mile, right? So much so, all of our competitors have a lot of capital, very little entrepreneurs. We've got too many entrepreneurs, not enough capital, right? Mm. Just as a testament to that. And we transformed that we found ourselves ending up on the intergovernmental fintech working group, right? So one of the things is some of the banks can't even offer them or traditional institutions can't offer the funding they want to offer to small businesses. Firstly, they run compliance departments, not banks, because that's how banking works. It's more a compliance thing than it is an actual banking department. I think most banks, the biggest department they have is a compliance department. Mm. But second to that, the law wouldn't allow them. So if you, Mashudune, you win a tender for 50000 right? Past three months, you or past 12 months, you've been dawdling around at 2,000 rand per month, right? If you come to me with a purchase order for 50000 right? I'm a bank, and you tell me you need a 40,000 rand loan. I'm going to run an, assess- an affordability assessment, and it's going to tell me you can't afford that. You can afford at most 2,000 rand, right? That's how the Credit Act is written. That if you're loaning money below 250,000 or you've got net asset value of less than a million, you have to be evaluated like an individual and demonstrate affordability. So the banks can't even offer for that. So we said, how do we play in the gray area? How do we become the taxi driver that drives on the yellow line, right? Mm. Because like, no matter how angry you get at the taxi driver, right? As black people, we appreciate that guy because our mothers got home on time. Our mothers got home, got to work on time, right? Like the backbone of this economy is on the taxi driver driving on the yellow line, right? That's the backbone of the South African economy. Yeah, We make a bit of money, we get into our cars and we become snooty towards that, right? In the same way, we're saying that to us clever blacks, right? It's like, don't be snooty to the methods that we've used since we've known since the dawn of time. Our parents taught us how to survive in poverty, right? That same thinking of community, like that that figures out how to run things like Stockfells and all of that, can build an economy that is shared amongst the people, right? Because I can tell you now, as a people, we're naturally prone to kinship, which is build things on trust, Right? The Western way of thinking is prone to contracts, right? Which is, man, like, 
if I if I ever have to have a contract with my daughter, right? Like would have known that I've gone too far, right? Mm. Something's broken, like fundamentally, right? Well, I'm gonna have a contract with her because I'm never will. Uh, but you get the essence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that one comes. You don't have a choice with that one. I don't have a choice with that one. But the, but, but you get my point is mm. that we need to move away from this contract mentality, which is that fear-based control and keep to this kinship, which is love, open up, trust, and bring together. That's interesting, but at the same time, scary, right? Like, exactly. if I am investing in you guys, yeah, I'm trusting that you guys also have enough of these measures yeah. that protect that money. Yep. How do you guys navigate situations that turn out differently yep. than when the trust is honored and fully fulfilled? So the interesting thing is, for some reason, mankind started thinking that loving somebody is not holding them accountable, right? Think of it like this. You know, like when we say a, a man is important in a growing child's life, especially a boy, right? Mm. Is that if a boy br- does a crime, right, and goes home, 16, 17, right, goes home and sees their mother, right? Their mother's going to hide them from the police, right? You know what a father's going to do? Go face the music. Mm. Go face the music, Right. And part of that is holding a child accountable, right? So in the same way, if an entrepreneur does something wrong, you have to face the consequences of that, mm-hmm. you know? You have to face the full consequences. That's not an act of spite or anything. That's actually an act of love because it's damaging for you not to be facing consequences for your actions because they're going to get worse and worse, your actions, the less and less consequences you face for the smaller and smaller actions. So we do put measures in place. We're part of Southern, something called South African Fraud Prevention Services, right? Mm. So if you take money that's not yours, even three years ago, we ran a campaign. We were naming, shaming entrepreneurs. Oh, I remember this. You remember this, right? <laughs> that's an act of love. Suffer the consequences, man. But <laughs> we're part of something called South African Fraud Prevention Services, right? Where if you use the the, the 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 crowd's money in any way whatsoever we list you on there you can't open any bank accounts in south africa because all the financial institutions are part of it you can't and you're on that list for 10 years for fraud right you can't open insurance you can't you're gonna be, you're gonna live in a cash cash society like you're mm. gonna go full-on cash right and it's gonna be hard to access like digital stuff even jobs it will show up when people run credit checks and things like that on jobs it will show up that you are in the south african fraud of prevention services so what we do believe in though is rehabilitation mm. so if you find means to 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 clean that up we'll work with you right because we don't believe in once bad permanently bad right we believe in humans yeah. So, but yeah, we do have measures in place. We actually quite a, got a quite a low impairment rate, one of the lowest from the purchase order funders of about three point eight percent. What do you What do you attribute to that? Is it just the trust. values that you guys have and the trust, luck, ah, trust, <laughs> luck, <laughs> trust, and building systems over time? I'm joking with the luck thing. I think it's building systems over time, and also like think about it like this, Mesh. If I treat you like a human you're going to treat me like a human. If I treat you like a rat, you're going to act like a rat. Mm. You know? Don't get it twisted. There are people who are out there just trying to score a quick buck. I think most people sometimes. I differ. I differ. But I hear what you're describing. Yeah, because I think like we live in a country where everyone's trying to fight. Like Mm. it it does almost feel like we lead with with distrust first. Yeah. 
every interaction yeah. feels like I want you to earn my trust first because yeah. I don't trust that you I will. I hear you. And it's scary. It I, actually makes me sad that that's how I navigate life, right? Got you. It's like, I don't trust that people are going to be good. I hear you. So, our perspective... Oh, man, this thing is full circle. Our perspective is loosely the reverse, mm. right? Loosely. I say loosely, right? Is that... If I show you respect, you'll act respectfully, right? But if you mess up, <laughs> if you show me that you are not trusted or you can't be trusted and whatnot, I'm going to come with the full fury of the of the fire I have, right? But I think just, Mesh, that's deeply sad. Like you described it, right? I think about that like in my interpersonal relationships, right? I actually struggle with trust a lot, right? Yeah, I struggle with trust tremendously. And I don't think you trust by saying people have been good, so let me trust. I think you trust and you believe that there's something that's inside these humans that like identifies with that like God particle Mm. that is unleashed when I love it. You know, like if I shine a bit of light on it, it grows inside and shows more of itself and more of itself and more of itself. And obviously you're not going to save everyone, right? And sometimes I want to get burnt. But being burnt is not a reflection of your skin. It's a reflection of the surface, right? So it's just now you you have the scar on your skin, mm. <laughs> right? Uh, keep putting yourself out there, I think. And that's how I think we'll, we'll solve some of our problems, right? Because I don't think it's it's cool that as South Africans we're scared, we're so scared, you know, of each other, of each other. First and foremost, first, yeah, like, yeah, we're very scared of each other. We need a bit of love. We need a bit of love in the country. <laughs> I want to become a hippie entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not walking around barefoot. Man, I'm five to walking around barefoot. You got the black t-shirt already. <laughs> yes, I'm five to. I was in hoodies. I was in what's this? In sweatpants all the time. I was in black all the time. I was like a walking version of South African Kanye West <laughs> for a while. I wasn't shaving. I wasn't. It was weird. But you were tapping into something though. Yeah, I do think like. <clears throat> I have the fortune of like having seen you like develop and grow mm. through all these different stages and it's like you seem a lot more clearer than you were at the beginning. Yeah. And what you said earlier was like God speaks more clearly now. Mm. And somehow that has now found its way through the work that you do. Yeah. The company that you have, the people that you work with. How scary is that as a as a pretext for how you work and build? Sure. Can also not be scary. It could also just be a powerful thing to lean on. Yeah, I'm thinking. Mesh won't ever let me think on his podcast. <laughs> nigga, the hits, the niggas are, 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 are logging out right now. It's like, ah, you ain't got nothing to you say. You ain't got nothing to say. But also, I'm learning to live life at not the speed of the internet. Like, 100%. That's, that's the worst thing you can do for yourself. 100%. So I'll, let, I'll give you that time. If you if you log out now, you're an evil person. Yeah, you, 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 you're driven by the flesh that wants entertainment. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and not in life. <laughs> scary so what's scary right is the new scary for me the new scary is at first it felt like 
fear of leaning on God and trusting God's like method, right? So there was a big self-reliance, right? Now, when you talk about God's voice being loud, you know what I'm actually scared of? His voice going quieter. Mm. Like that I'm deeply afraid of, right? And in many ways, I almost want to describe that like the rev- that's the reverent fear of the Lord, you know? And that's scarier than anything else. So what happens is I trust more and more in God. So nothing scares me except that. Does that make sense? Mm. So I'm not scared. Like, man, we're doing a crazy campaign now. We'll discuss it. But I'm not scared of anything. Like anything that comes of that campaign is as God wills. Mm. You know, there's so much serendipity happening in and around our lives, all the people involved in the campaign and how things move, right? Because we've tapped into something, like you said, right? Tapped into the source code, <laughs> mm. right? And it's it's demonstrable in how we execute, you know? I mean, MASH, like, for example, we're raising 200 million, right? The first three weeks, we raised 30 million. MASH, if you tell me there's something that is scary, right? I tell you the scariest thing is not talking to God. That is what's scary. Because then now you have to rely on yourself. <laughs> that is scary. That is, that is petrifying. <laughs> you know? Terrifying. Petrifying. My English is, you see, I have to talk to God about my English. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about this campaign. Yeah. I promise you. Yeah. Oh, sorry, man. I keep jumping into it because it's, it's the fine. thing we're doing. Don't worry. <laughs> You're not there for PR, my <laughs> brother, please. <laughs> Guys, so, unapologetic plan. <laughs> yeah. You talk about impact as well, right? Yeah. And, like, we've spoken about it in different ways so far. But, like, since 2018, you guys have funded or outlaid over $300 million in funding yeah. to 2,000 projects. You're saying it's scary. Just, you know, you're saying what your fear is, right? Mm. You're telling me none of that, like, 300 million, the 2,000 projects, people constantly in and out, depending on the work that you guys are doing on a daily basis to not only, you know, run their businesses, but possibly have some contribution to how this country runs. That's not scary for you. No, I have to say no. You know why? The only scary thing is not talking to God. And what that means is that I'd have to rely on myself. To do that i don't do that i'm just the vehicle by which it gets done does that make sense yep so when you discover that you're a vehicle for things to get done all you have to do is get out of the damn way like sugan job that's like a famous sentence even when they fight in the company it's like sugan job you know <laughs> <laughs> like move out of the way let things happen as they are supposed to and moving out of the way is simply you hearing God loudly, right? Loudly is a relative word. Serendipity. Like it's in it's a small intangible things. You open, you're driving down the highway and you're like, God, like I need answers about like should I be with this person or not? Right? And then the billboard says lost lovers. Like like it's like, man, you could take that how you want, but like now you're lost as lovers. It's like, okay, 
I need to go find myself. Like, I'm not going to find myself in the truth of this person. God, what should I do? Then you see a number plate that says D-E-U-T 28. You're like, oh man, Deuteronomy 28. You go read it and it says obedience to God. I'm trying to remember the scripture now. <laughs> but obedience to God will give you the kingdom. You know, like um, reverent fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and obedience to God will give you the kingdom. Then you're like, oh man, okay, let me follow that a little bit more, bit by bit. And that's loosely his obedience. And then he starts talking louder because you're listening, mm. you know? You're listening. There's this book called The Surrender Experiment. It describes a similar thing from a different religious perspective, but it's a similar thing where it's like you're surrendering to life and letting life tell you things that are happening, right? In the same way, I just chose my guiding post to be the Bible, right? Try to read it as much as possible. And at first, I didn't hear a word it was saying because I was reading it with the human mind. And then I started asking the Holy Spirit, man, just show me the wisdom of this thing, you know? Mm. Like, show me the wisdom of this thing. And then it started popping open and I could see it, you know, like, sure, it was like, boom, it's like an explosion of light, right? And then as the light is exploding, I'm also building an interpersonal relationship with God at the same time where I'm praying. First, when you're praying, like nothing's happening consciously, right? Mm. Like things might change here. Oh, man. But life is changing. Sorry, you were going to say something. You were taken there in that moment. You wanted to say something. Yeah, I just don't think we... I think most people have a difficult time even accessing that part of themselves. Mm. Mm. And it takes a lot for you to even get to a point where you feel like you can hear it. Yeah. Oftentimes it takes suffering. I think like one of the things that we, 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 we stop people from experiencing God is suffering avoidance. Like if I could, I'd take everyone off their antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds, right? It's like suffering is a pathway to God. It's a very irresponsible sentence I'm making, but I hope the essence is caught, not <laughs> people now just ditching all of their medication. Mm. But suffering is a means to get to God. And what we all try to do is suffering avoidance, right? So we try to please our bodies very quickly to get out of suffering. Suffering, suffering takes you to God much quicker than most things, you know? Because what's going to happen in that suffering? There's that moment you give up, you know? One of two things are going to happen. You're going to give up on life or you're going to give up and say, I'm going to take it. You know? Mm. And then in that moment, and, and then in that moment, what happens is he starts talking like loudly, like very loudly. Like, yo, I've been waiting for you to surrender because you've been in charge of this life, haven't you? Like, yo, like I'm tired. Like, I'm exhausted. I hear that a lot from people. I'm tired. Just like tired. I'm tired. Tired. Just like if they're still relying on themselves, they're not tired yet. You know? Man, my journey, the depths of where it went is I was building the people's fund and it was decently sized. I was depressed, Mesh. Like there was an emptiness inside that could not be filled at all. And I felt tired all the time. And I was like, Yo, God, I'm tired. This was like two, three years ago. Like, I'm tired, man. Like, I'm tired. Nothing will satiate me in this world. Look at me running a 150 million rand company. And I'm dead inside. I'm tired. And then the journey began. How did you know that that was the journey you needed to take? Right? Because I do think what happens when we're in that place, right? And 
unfortunately, I've visited mm. a couple of times, mm. where it's like, what are we doing this for? Mm. <laughs> mm. Why are we here? Mm. What are we trying to achieve? Yeah. And a friend had this joke, just like, hey, man, God must be looking at us, just going, wow, man, they're so creative. <laughs> they keep themselves <laughs> so entertained. <laughs> wow. Like, Snapchat? Yeah, TikTok? <laughs> Twitter? Instagram? <laughs> New drugs. <laughs> New drugs. <laughs> New shows. Love. Netflix. Disney. Love. All this. It's like, you using all these things to avoid facing yourself. Yep. Most of the time. Yes. And that exhaustion is coming from that place of you're doing all these things to try and find some level of I don't know what, what it Realness. is. But just you're you're avoiding the real conversation. Like you're saying, you're doing all of these things to avoid facing yourself, right? And to your point, you are asking why how did I know that was the journey? I've explored everything, man. You know? Like, and once you've tried everything... Firstly, also, I don't know if it's coward or brave. I just could not commit suicide, right? Like, I just could not. Doesn't matter what word we use for it. Cowardice or bravery or whatever. I just didn't have it in me. For me, it just felt like cowardice. I was like, hmm, kill myself. No. But there's an emptiness, right? And... That starting point meant now I'm forced to look for answers in this life, <laughs> right? And looking for answers in this life is that I tried everything, Mesh. Man, I've, there's nothing I haven't tried. I try to find answers in the legs of women, right? Like extensively, right? Man, there's no answers there, right? Like I can tell you for free, there's no answers there. Drugs. I was struggling with this thing, with this depression thing, while I had like the most beautiful experience of having a daughter. And I'm not going to say it by name. And it was the first time I loved somebody outside of myself. But still, even with having experienced that, I still felt this deep, dark dread of existence. Why are we here? Why are we doing this? I remember like I cried so many nights. Like, And they wouldn't know. I think Linda was already in the company. She would have never known. That I was dying inside. Like I was dead. Like I was, ah, I hate existence, right? I remember that moment. I'll never forget it. 21 of October, 2021, right? I'm standing with a friend outside where we were working at Workshop 17 in Santin. Mm. There's there's a smoking area, right? Standing by the dustbin. My friend's name is Tulo and Shami. Mm. Shami had just left. He went upstairs, right? I'm supposed to go see... I'm supposed to go consult. I'm also supposed to see a mother who's Christian. Yeah? Mm. They booked for Thursday and Saturday. Yeah? I'm going to go see them because I'm dead and empty inside. Now, I've never seen mediums, sangomas or anything. I've never seen them. So this is going to be the first time. I'm going to see this woman who became, let's use the word, my spiritual mother. She's Christian, right? And she does deliverance ministry. I'm standing, it was a Thursday, I'm, or, 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 yeah, it was a Wednesday, Tuesday or, or Thursday, right? I'm standing, 21st of October, 2021. I'm talking to Tulu, right? Now, Mash, I haven't read the Bible in detail, ever, in my life. I know the concepts in the Bible, like intellectually. I'm standing outside, and I'm frustrated, and I'm like, 
Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next. Then Tlulu says these words, and it's not his intention. He says, you know, right? Like, whatever happens, you'll know, right? As he finishes saying those words, it's a sunny day, Mesh. I felt like, and people are going to call me crazy, right? It felt like one of the clouds turned dark, right? And almost like a, a bellowing came out of the, the cloud, right? Like almost going, shut up and listen to me now right i'm sitting like this and then all i start hearing is think of that is it susek's voice like think you know the voice they usually use for god that deep 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 mm. deep voice with reverence and it starts going where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth mesh mesh i'm standing you know when you're standing and you're like what is that what is that right where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth when i told the clouds this far and no more when i told I'm going, what? Trollo's talking about something. I don't, I can't hear him, right? Then I tell him, whoa, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up. I need you to help me find something, right? He's like, what? I'm like, I'm 100% sure this is a scripture. I just don't know where it is, right? And then I start describing it. Then he's like, oh yeah, that sounds like job, right? That became my scripture immediately. Mesh, I heard Oh man, I'm about to sound crazy. I don't care actually. I heard the loudest I've ever heard someone speak to me because he wasn't speaking to me from outside, it was from inside, but from above me, like this. I heard that scripture, and that scripture was basically saying, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Your friend is telling you, you know, but the thing I want you to know is that you don't know. Like, I've set plans in motion that you have no idea how they're going to work. And what I need you to do is take that pride of yours and submit it to me so that we can build things together, right? And ever since that day, yo, yo, it's been a mm, wonderful journey. So I'm fetching two years from the first time I could clearly hear, and that's kind of how I ended up in Christianity because... The exact scripture I got was a, a, a Christian scripture, Job 38, you know. So I could have, might have been Jewish as well. If I chose to be Jewish, <laughs> I'm messing with you. So yeah, we're fetching two years in about a month and a half's time of walking that journey. I didn't, I didn't even go see the Sangoma anymore. I went to go see my spiritual mother and I told her about the vision. I felt taller even after the, 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 the talk. I call it the talk. Even after that, I felt taller and I felt clearer and I felt ready it was only the beginning but that convo from then onwards i've not i've not felt depression deeply since then i had one instant of depression since then but that had a lot to do with me betraying myself for what i would call duty outside of that life has been peachy (laughs) life has been amazing (laughs) you know dark but amazing you know you had this incredible experience right Mm. and now it's taking you on a journey of two years obviously and yeah it feeds into the way you're building does it inform how you build and what would you say to someone who might not understand what that journey is but needs to find something that really anchors what they're building because gotcha. i do think that a lot of people might be building from a place of vanity a mm. place of pride mm. You're building because you want to make a lot of money. Mm. That's okay. Mm. Uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong reason for you to start building things. But for you, how important has this been for that process? Oh, man. So firstly, when I first got into business, I thought I was getting in there to prove to myself that I'm the man, right? So my first business paybook started making money when I was 
significantly young, right? That was my first significant depression, right? When you realize, I feel empty. (laughs) And in fact, that depression hit me when Forest Hill Drive dropped. And the song that like drove it home, good news is you came a long way. The bad news is you You went the the wrong way. way. (laughs) I'll say this, man. There's no right and wrong, right? But you are, you will always be a servant or slave to your highest God value, right? And your highest God value is basically what you cherish the most, right? So if it is money, and it's okay if that's for you, that's the level you want to play at, cool. But you're unlikely to make money in entrepreneurship if your objective is money. You're more likely to make money in entrepreneurship if your objective is value and delivering value. I've said this from the beginning, right? The best in the game deliver value, right? They deliver value and they know how to capture that value and scale that value, right? I don't know. I think the entrepreneurship has, especially South African entrepreneurship, has a lot of vanity. Money is not the only vanity, you know? Celebrity is also a form of vanity, you know? And that's cool, cool if you use it you know yeah but i feel like uh, i want to be careful not to judge people's journey because it's theirs to discover right but i am quite protective of entrepreneurship because i feel like it's like a it's like a ministry (laughs) right (laughs) and it's personal saved my life you know and it's impacted so many lives i don't know it feels like you know when you date like a really great girl, right? Mm. And then maybe you guys have a break or whatever. Then some guy bangs her like she's a, like, you know, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't help but be angry, right? That, mm. man, this thing I cherish, you're treating it like a harlot, man. Like, please don't, you know? So, yeah, that's just my, the, the, that's just my disposition. And if value is the thing you want to deliver, if, if truth is the thing you want to unearth in yourself and in the world, then come into entrepreneurship. Because I do think people think they come into entrepreneurship for money, but I can promise you one thing. It's a journey to God. That's what entrepreneurship is. It's a journey to God. You're going to discover that sooner rather than later. So prepare yourself. Put on your safety belt and prepare yourself. Because the thing you think it is, it's not. You have a better chance following the normal route, either become a banker or something else to make money. There are other methods like to make money. This thing, oh, 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 oh. by the time the money comes in, you won't care about it. I can almost guarantee that, you know. Back to the money. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> at some point, we do need to talk business. Yeah, yes, yes. You guys are doing something very audacious now, which will take you to your next, you know, great level, right? Mm. Like, you guys have achieved really incredible things and important things Thank you. in funding all these entrepreneurs and business owners. And this 300 million of you know funding that was outlaid to all these people as well, and you've building this like base of community, really great partners, and there's so many people involved in making sure that this works. Mm. What's this new audacious thing that you guys are doing? It. Why does it matter? And also, how do people get involved? Gotcha. So this new audacious plan. <laughs> Always wanted to say audacious loudly on a mic like that. <laughs> ah. <laughs> This new audacious plan is basically we're going public mesh. And what that means is we're taking this private company that has been owned by five then four companies like and we're making it owned by the people. 
We're taking this method where we used to take capital from private investors and have it as debt and then loan it out to the entrepreneurs and then share the profits with the investors. We're saying, no, we want the capital we use to be owned by the company mm-hmm. and owned by the people. So what we're doing is over the next six months, right, until end of February 2024, we're going to be raising $200 million from the general crowd, right? Each person will be buying a share in the company for a thousand rand minimum. We've been doing this for three weeks and we've raised 30 million already. So we have got 170 million left over. And what we want is to turn it into a people-led company. One of the most interesting things we noticed in the past three weeks, because we were converting private investor money into equity, right? And we're saying, are you in, are you not? And all of that is that we had existed for a long time under a spirit of fear, right? And at different levels, there were mechanisms of control that existed for the company that were not for the company. Do you understand what I mean? Mm. And this next stage we're going into is us basically saying, we're going to dismantle the power structures. So there's not going to be four shareholders, right? There's going to be 20,000 shareholders, right? And there's not going to be 2,000 stakeholders. There's going to be 100,000 stakeholders, right? And all of them are going to participate directly in building a community of entrepreneurs who get funded, right? And what we want to do is each person who contributes a thousand rand want to grow the value of your share over the next six years by 40% year on year. If you do the math, that comes out to about two times, two times the value. So if you put in a thousand rand today, what we want to give you in 2030s is 2,000 rand. It's not big money, but it's a big, big return over mm. the space of six years, mm. right? And give you the access to what venture capitals, capitalist companies usually give to their, to their partners, right? But give it to everyday people. Second to that, for each 10,000 rand we're going to raise, one of the things we noticed is that actually there's a lack of participation, which we discussed earlier on in the podcast, right? And there's a lack of participation of black people in tendering. So for each 10,000 rand we raise, we're going to train at least one unemployed youth or woman, right? Black to actually get into the tendering process. So over the course of the next six years, we're going to train 20,000 people, right? To be actually become tenderpreneurs, <laughs> right? And change the PR of that. And an important thing about that is the training we'll provide, it will teach them how to hold government accountable. You remember two or three years ago, we had that case where a white company took government to court and ended up on high court, right? And basically the companies, the court found that it was illegal or unconstitutional to enforce BE laws, Right? All that happened there was in the open and transparent tendering system, that company held government accountable. That's it. That's all it did, right? It said, why didn't I get the tender? On pricing, selling Anna, everything, what's the problem? It's like, man, we had preferential procurement here. This company said, that's unconstitutional. I'm taking government to court. And it won. Mm. Want to teach people the same thing? Because everyone thinks government procurement is nepotistic, right? Want to teach them, this is how you tender, and then post-tendering, if you don't win, this is how you hold government accountable. It's an open, transparent system. You have the right to ask, why didn't I win the tender, right? And they can show you. And if it's not on pricing, it's not on quality, they have to explain. And then we're going to start seeing government, I haven't sworn the whole podcast, crap their pants. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, that capital we raised, that 200 million we're raising, we want to be able to fund 5 billion we want to outlay 5 billion in capital over the next six years for 
for the businesses that we have that we will continue to fund and the the boring businesses right you know there's a company elon musk calls the boring company and it does the coolest things (laughs) (laughs) so that's 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 the objective plain and simple how important is the impact that you guys are going to drive with this right because not only are you then driving impact for the people that are going to invest whatever money that they have Mm. But also driving impact through the funding and the money that actually gets outlaid as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of impact being in, involved in all of this. Mm. How important is that as a factor for why you guys are doing this this way, right? Because as a company and with the you know amazing deck that I, that you sent through as well. <laughs> yeah. No one's ever sent me a deck before. A podcast, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> Do you know the the theory might. Like some people might ask, why are you not looking for then a venture capital or mm. a government or some kind of organization to be the one that says, here's the 200 million, mm. you go invest this money. We know you guys and we trust you guys to be able to recruit this, but also, you know, significantly improve that. Yeah. So why do it this way? And is the impact a major factor for it? Got you. So first and foremost, man, we spoke to a lot of VCs over the period of the past six years, Right or even institutions, even international ones, right? One of the things we noticed very quickly is that everyone's interested in control. So it's very important for us to break that cycle of control. So everyone's interested in fear, not love. And we don't want, if your primary objective is only to make money, right? You're not going to have a great time with the TPF, right? <laughs> like, if, 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 if the thousand rand means more than just making a quick buck, if it means, man, I want to be part of something that's historic. Because why the impact is important for us, after we successfully do this, right? Next year, Mesh, when you and I are chatting, beginning of the year, right? Or even middle of the year. I want you to say to me, man, did you see that other startup? It went public and raised 20 million of its own accord. And did you see that other startup? Mm. It raised 10 million of its own accord from its customers, from its, from, from, from its communities. That, for me, would be the big win. Because like when we started five years ago, purchase order funding, so we started the company six years ago, but purchase order funding five years ago, there was nobody advertising purchase order funding online, right? We were the first to market to do that, right? Now there's more than 30 companies online. If you put in purchase order funding and you go to Google, it's like sponsored, sponsored, sponsored. We broke an industry, Right? We started Stockfels, right? We, we, we showed the digitization of them, right? That what direction can it go? More than anything, we want to be trendsetters for things that are stupid that they don't exist. That, does that make sense? It's stupid that entrepreneurs can't get f- access to financing when they've got a purchase order. It's ridiculously stupid. Mm. Stupid that entrepreneurs who've got good businesses or good ideas can't access capital because there's a few gatekeeper venture, venture capitalists who decide what gets funded and what doesn't get funded, especially in South Africa. That's ridiculous. Let the people decide. Not a big fan of democracy, but let the people decide. <laughs> <laughs> and if I want to be part of this, I'm just investing yeah. my thousand rand. You're just investing your thousand rand so you can get your share directly on our website. Mm. You can go to thepeople.co.za 
click on own the people's fund or own tpf and through follow the three steps process it will show you how to how to invest i mean even there we're limiting each person to about five thousand rand and they can contact me if they look interested in investing more but as much as possible we want it to be shared amongst the people as much as possible you know so exciting times man exciting times what do you hope to achieve say we're speaking in five years yeah uh, which we probably will Mm. Unless I'm not doing podcasts anymore. Which is, <laughs> Unlikely. Listen, who knows? <laughs> Unlikely that you won't be doing podcasts. <laughs> who knows? But we're speaking in five years. Uh, what do you hope to reflect on at that point? Oh, retirement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be 40. I'll be 40. I always wanted to retire at 30. I thought I was going to be rich. Oh, we all thought we'd oh, be man. rich. What do I want to reflect on? Man, I want... I want to be part of a community that seek its primary objective of seeking truth for its individual members, right? In a way that made society better. So purchase order funding seems like the methodology that will be doing that, right? Mm. But each individual within the organization is also on their own journey for truth and their own journey for self-discovery and growth, right? And each entrepreneur we interact with, on some level, they're doing that, right? So I want to reflect and say, man, we touched 100,000 lives, minimum, right? And those people are better off for it. Like the our interaction with them in the list of interactions they've had in life, they're like, man, I'm better for this. Yeah. And that's what it means to create value, right? Yeah. Yeah. If someone can say, because of the interaction I had with something someone else built, I am better off. Yep. In some way. Yep. Yes. That's it. I'm actually getting emotional. <laughs> no, I'm seriously getting emotional, man. Yeah, I'm so emotional now. Like, I cry all the time. <laughs> But like truthfully, that is the demonstra- demonstra- demonstrable version of value. If somebody say, "I'm better off because of what I experienced with you." There's a question I usually ask at the end. What is one thing you wish you knew when you started this journey that you know now? Besides the fact that entrepreneurship is a ministry. <laughs> <laughs> A journey to God is what you described it as. And I think that's what I'm going to use as the title. Mm. Entrepreneurship as ministry. Woof. Powerful. What what do I wish I knew then? What do I know now that I wish I knew then? Nothing. Because then I wouldn't have started. Does that make sense? Mm. If I knew the stuff I knew now, I would have not started. You know? I would have been too scared. Who I was then, if they knew the things that I know now, would have not started. So I say that to say the dots do connect backwards. Let them connect. Don't try to connect them forward. Like just let life take you. And then it puts you down. What what is it? We're, we're, we're pressed from every side, but we're not crushed. <laughs> yeah, that that would be it, Mesh. I would not nothing. There's nothing I would want to have known when I started this journey that I know now. 
Otherwise, I wouldn't have started. So this is for people that wait 10 seconds <laughs> to see what happens. <laughs> you made you helped me make a decision to close my business, right? And yeah. The reason why I, I like left a pause there is cuz I don't want I want people who actually care to hear this. Right? Mm-hmm. And at some level I think that re- that that decision and the the advice that you gave me was was life-saving. Mm. Cuz it was killing me. Mm. And I don't know where it would have ended. Mm -hmm. Part of it was also letting go of Mm -hmm. a lot and surrendering a lot. What would you say to someone that needs to make that decision? Because I think we have a lot of people that are trying to build things. Mm. And I really respect them. I care about them. I put up a post of like motivation every day for this. But the thing that I find hard to communicate to people is how difficult this will be. Mm. How many times you'll have to die Mm. before it ever works out. Mm. How many times you'll have to make new versions Mm. of the vision you thought was yours. Mm. How many times you'll question God for the purpose Mm. you put on yourself that you said was (laughs) God. (laughs) The schizophrenic nature of God that you created. (laughs) That you created in your mind that said, oh no, I'm sure sure it's it's God. (laughs) If someone had to make that decision and you Mm. had to give someone the advice that you gave me, what would you say? I don't remember the exact words we used in our convo, but I remember the sentiment that we were punching at, right? Mm why is it still open right why do you want to keep it open why do you want to do x y and z right and if those answers for why don't lead back to a pursuit of truth no that's esoteric let me try and make it more solid man if you got into this to not fail you're in the wrong industry. Because it's only through the failures like that you truly discover who you are, right? Because you have to get back up. You know like what sucks about a failure? You have to get back up and believe again. And when you're led by ego, that's not hard. That's That's very hard. That's very hard, right? And when when I was trying to make that answer but not make it too esoteric, I can't help but make it esoteric, right? When I said it doesn't lead back to truth, is when I was asking you the questions, right? All I was trying to check for is, is your ego the one stopping this thing from closing down? Does that make sense? Mm. And your answers were telling me, man, yes, my ego is scared of like closing this thing down. Yeah. And I was like, nah, kill that thing, man. Kill that thing. And the words I didn't use there, I was not talking about the business, I was talking about the ego. Kill that thing, man, mm. by letting this business die. You know? Yeah, man. So what advice would I give them? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's not the last thing you're doing. As long as you choose not to give up on this life, it's not the last thing you're doing. You know? It's okay. God doesn't make mistakes. You'll do another. You know? You'll do another and another and another. And we all think that first business we do is the perfect one. (laughs) 
When people show me some of their first businesses I did, I'm embarrassed to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm embarrassed, right? But it's okay. It's like, you know what it's like? It's like a breakup, you know? It's okay. It doesn't feel like it in that moment. You feel like your heart is leaving your chest, like you can't breathe. It's, your stomach is empty and you can't eat, right? It's okay. That's suffering. That's death. That's what it's supposed to feel like. But through death, like there's birth of something, you know? There's a new you that gets birthed if you let your ego die. If you don't, you'll be the same kid. This is why I said, I can't, there's nothing I want to know now. I want to, I want to know then that I know now. Because that child needed to grow up, needed to die, you know? Yeah, I hope that advice helps. I'm sure it does. I know it looks tough. It feels tough. The one thing is, man, stick around. Stick around and check. Watch it play out, man. I know how tough it is. Like, all you want to do every waking morning is look at yourself and go, why am I doing this life thing, right? It's like, wake up, Jayam. Tandaze. Might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But eventually, it will all make sense. And if you know anything about Amaketi, you know, like I'm a slingshots, right? Mm. The ones that go furthest are the ones that get pulled back the furthest, right? So the harder the tension, man, the stronger you will become in spirit, you know? So the harder the battle, the stronger person you will become. Don't give up, you know? Keep trying. Just wake up another day. That's it. That's the battle. Wake up another day and do a little bit. Wake up another day. And do a little bit. And one day it will make sense and the pain will be gone, you know? Man, this podcast is making me emotional, Mod. This was just a special, just a little cheat cheat for the guy that goes, "No, man, yeah, man, there's still something here." And I always think, like, lately, I just have this thing in my head and my heart. A lot of the people that I'm closest to or care about deeply. They're messengers, and I think mm. of you as a messenger. Mm. And it's oh, yeah. like, I hope whoever really needed to hear this hears mm. it. And that's what I've started thinking of my podcast as. It's mm. just like, it's for the people that need to hear it. Mm. I really wished, you know, for the crazy successes before, mm. where it was mm. like, oh, let's see the views. Mm. So I realized how empty that was. <laughs> a it gives me nothing. Mm. It gives me nothing. It's a deep vanity metric. And the thing that really makes a difference is when someone's like, yo. <laughs> that conversation saved my life. Yeah. <laughs> that convo saved my life. Same, man. Same. You know? Same. Entrepreneurship is ministry. Mm. I like that title. You sold it to me. This might be the best <laughs> title of, all, of them all. <laughs> but someone who heard the other three is going to be like, is this is the, the same, same guy? guy. <laughs> oh, man. Evolution is everything, man. You remember like Jay-Z before he released 444? He had like mm. two albums that were like, just like, mm, they okay. Like, and, and maybe because I'm not a big Jay-Z fan, right? Mm. Magna Carta, Holy Grail, I was okay with it. It's good, mm. but I was okay with it, right? I think Blueprint 3 was before that, right? Before that. I was okay with it. It's nothing that blew my mind, right? Then 444 dropped. I was like, what is this? What is this? Like, it's art, right? 
And it's the same. It's like, man, if you want me to drop another God, love, sex, and whatnot podcast, like, ask me to not grow, you know? Mm. Ask me to not grow. Make me a drink. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> You know I'm a big Drake fan, right? I know. <laughs> but it doesn't change. Like, there's nothing. Like, no. I know his first album is the same as his last album. It will always be the same. Yeah, man. Evolution is everything. Evolution is everything. I really appreciate the time, my brother. My brother, thanks for the platform, man. I felt like crying so much today. Uh, it's important. Mm. So, so did I, but you know. You held it together. Yeah. I'm gonna leave you alone here. He's gonna cry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call I'm you a I'm gonna call you a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> To access previous episodes of this podcast, but also again access to other shows on our network, please visit lucha.com.